I'm Ray Suarez, and you're listening to The Next President, Foreign Policy Challenges on America Abroad. When it comes to foreign policy, there's one country we can't avoid talking about, and that's China. Often referred to as the biggest economic rival to the United States, China's central bank holds more of America's public debt than any other country, over a trillion dollars, in fact. And China also has the world's largest military, numbering three million soldiers. This growing military power has some observers feeling nervous. We're going to turn to our panel once again, and we'll hear how the next Obama, or the Romney administration, might plan to deal with China. Susan Glasser is editor-in-chief of Foreign Policy magazine, and Michael O'Hanlon is the director of research for foreign policy at the Brookings Institution. And it comes as no surprise, Michael, that Americans are, by and large, uneasy about China holding so much U.S. paper. What has President Obama done in his first term, if anything, to change that? And how would Governor Romney deal differently with the Chinese? The Chinese, I think, view um, the United States these days in two different ways. Uh, and one of them is more of an economic point, one's more strategic. The economic point is that they see us as, to some extent, in decline, uh, you know, four straight years of trillion-dollar deficits, uh, low personal savings rate, big public debt, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the other hand, they see us orchestrating with our allies a concerted move across Asia to improve our military posture, to rebalance towards Asia, partly because we have been so preoccupied with the wars of the Middle East and we finally got around to changing that. And this is all uh, on a foundation of relatively decent relations, which is an important point to underscore. I think the strategic picture in Asia is pretty stable. The big issues are economic. Until we get out of the world of trillion-dollar U.S. deficits, we are going to be eroding our own economy by our own actions a lot more than the Chinese have the power to either help us or hurt us. Susan, is China an example of a place where the tone difference between the president and Governor Romney is pretty broad, but the policies are not all that different? Well, I think that's probably right. Uh, two things. First of all, Obama himself has, from the beginning of his presidency, sought to kind of brand himself as the first Pacific president. Uh, last year, he and his administration and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton made a big push around the idea of a strategic first. They called it pivot. Then they uh, pulled back to rebalancing toward Asia. The idea being that these are where the major strategic challenges, both economic and uh, military on some level of the future will be, that this is uh, a rising power and set of powers that we need to contend with and think more, much more strategically about, move away from the old entanglements in effect of the Middle East and, and Europe and look towards a new century and a new set of challenges. On the Romney side, what I've been struck by is that this, more than anything else, might be sort of the interesting fault line to watch. Watch his rhetoric very carefully here. There's a real division inside the Republican Party, uh, not just over China and how to handle it, but between the sort of classic realists and the neocons, between a more expansive and idealistic vision of the projection of American power and our role as as the major superpower in the world, and, and those who are much more about wanting to be pragmatic uh, doers of business, if you will, of course. And, you know, those people want to do business in Asia. They want to figure out how to work with uh, the rising titans of global industry and not so much how to contain them or to militarily surround them. A few months ago, Defense Secretary Leon Panetta visited India, Vietnam, and China. 
Here's what he had to say about military cooperation between the United States and China last May, speaking at a press briefing. We recognize that the United States and China will not always agree on every issue, but we believe our military-to-military -military <coughs> dialogue is critical to ensuring that we avoid dangerous misunderstandings and misperceptions that could lead to crisis. Now, in spite of this, a majority of U.S. warships will be in the Pacific by 2020. How should voters understand what this means for American policy in Asia? Should President Obama win a second term or um, if Governor Romney becomes president next January, Michael? Well, Ray, an interesting thing about the last point that we would have the majority of our fleet in the Pacific within a few years is that we can use those ships to go to the Persian Gulf, too. And this is a good example of how the Obama administration, I think, has quite smartly tried to make maximum rhetorical use of some minor policy changes. The 2,000 Marines added to Australia, for example. This idea that we're shifting the Pacific fleet from being 50% of our total to 60%. Actually, part of that shift had already begun. And even when it continues now and goes a little further, we can use those boats to go to the Persian Gulf. And so this, to me, seems like a relatively modest shift designed primarily to send a bit of a rhetorical message to American allies and to China in the Pacific without overdoing it, without really pre-committing us to a big change in policy. Susan? You know, I think Michael's point is, is a very important one. This is a, a world where minor shifts in language tell everything and where you can placate uh, Europeans by saying, well, we didn't mean pivot because uh, that implies we're turning away from you, so we're rebalancing. But I do think there is this delicate dance that, frankly, either an Obama or a Romney administration will have to continue to perform, which is, do we see China as a peer competitor, uh, as the phrase is often bandied about? Do we see them as a potential strategic threat. And the answer is, so far, we've tried to do both things while reassuring them that we're not actually doing both things. The nucleus of a containment strategy has been taking shape. We've not necessarily put the hardware, you know, on the on the board to actually give that a full dimensions of a, of a Cold War type confrontation. We're not really sure whether they're going to be a strategic threat to us or not, but we're sure acting like we better be prepared in case that's uh, what happens. Now, both candidates have been critical of China on many issues, not least of which is keeping the currency, the yuan, at an artificially low rate. Here's President Obama. My administration brought trade cases against China at a faster pace than the previous administration. And we've won those cases. And here's Governor Romney. China is stealing our intellectual property, our patents, our designs, our know-how, our brand names. They're hacking into our computers, stealing information from not only corporate computers, but from government computers. And they're manipulating their currency. Mitt Romney has said he'll label China a currency manipulator as soon as he gets into office. But what real implications does that have? And how would Romney and Obama administrations respectively deal differently with China when it comes to trade and currency, Susan? Well, you know, that's a good question. We've been talking tough for a number of years uh, on the currency situation, and the truth is no matter how many bills are introduced in the U.S. Congress, is not up to the U.S. Congress. To f trigger a full-scale trade war uh, is something that uh, a Mitt Romney administration would be just as reluctant as an Obama administration to really sort of go over that particular Cliff. So in the end, our tools are much more tools of persuasion, of the bully pulpit, 
of diplomacy. There's another big factor that we haven't mentioned yet. Xi Jinping is expected to become the new leader of China. Uh, he will have also a new ruling body around him. We don't know. They might, they might have a new policy orientation toward the United States and toward the West. And I think that's a potentially volatile combination of a new Chinese leadership that's eager to prove himself at a time when their astronomical economic growth has finally been cooling off, not to mention the international pressures of dealing with the United States for the first time as uh, the ruling body will be a recipe for some serious volatility potentially in the U.S.-China relationship in the coming year. Is it a risky gambit to promise that you'll label a major trading partner a currency manipulator with all that that implies? And if you end up getting the job, do you have to do it? Uh, I think that Governor Romney is taking some chances here. But first of all, on my recent trip to China, I didn't hear a lot of concern about who's going to win, Romney or Obama because we're really terrified of Romney. I didn't hear that. I was struck that I didn't hear that. I thought there'd be at least more hope to discuss the issue. And then secondly, the other point is that uh, traditionally, American presidents get tough with China in their first year in the office, and they figure out a way to cool it off and get back to a working relationship after that. And that's not unusual for post-Vietnam uh, American presidents, going back really to, to Nixon. I think it's being taken in stride by the Chinese. Does that mean that it's insignificant? No. Don't forget, President Obama has himself said it's time to throw a few more elbows in the economic relationship, another phrase that builds on what Susan just said earlier. So there's a general sense here in the United States we have to get tougher with China, especially, I think, on intellectual property rights and intellectual property theft, which is really getting out of control. Michael O'Hanlon, Director of Research for Foreign Policy at the Brookings Institution. Good to see you. Thank you, Ray. And Susan Glasser, Editor-in-Chief of Foreign Policy Magazine. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. You've been listening to The Next President, Foreign Policy Challenges on America Abroad. The Next President was produced by Joseph Browdy, Monica Bushman, Martha Little, and A.C. Valdez, with additional production help from Flawn Williams. I'm Ray Suarez, and this is America Abroad from Public Radio International. PRI, Public Radio International.